Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. So good to see you. Guys, listen, we are continuing to lean into God, continuing to allow Him to speak to us through these very difficult times in our nation, difficult times with the virus. And this is what I do know is that God has, has a book called the Bible that is loaded with promises for us to anchor our lives to. And so I want to spend some time with you this morning sharing with you a promise that God has given to us as believers. And if you will open your heart to it, it's going to transform you and change you forever. It's actually going to do something in you that I, I believe that is going to give you the life that you actually truly want to live. And all of us are striving to, or we can, be, we can increase our understanding of this promise in our own lives. And so today I want to talk to you about anchoring your life to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be addressing some things in this passage that are very, in in this message that are very relevant to where we are right now. But the the whole theme of of this series is about being anchored. In the early church, there was much persecution. The early church, as, as followers of Jesus, they were being persecuted, they were being hunted down, they were hiding. In many of the places that the early church was hiding and trying to find refuge, they would find a symbol that gave them comfort, and that symbol was an anchor. In the, in the early church's days, the cross was not the sign of Christianity because in Roman times, they crucified people all the time. It was not the sign, but the sign of a Christian in the early church was an anchor because it reminded them that God would anchor them and steady them through any storm, anything they would face, that he could meet them right where they are. So as they huddled in catacombs and as they, as they, they had friends who were being lost by, by being killed and burned at the stake or, or eaten by lions, whatever that was, they would remain true that they're going to anchor their life on the promises of God. And that became the early church's Christian symbol. If we really wanted to be pure, we, just have, we would have anchors all over our church. But we do have some crosses as well. But the truth is this. The Lord wants to anchor you today. I know that we are in an unsettled time, but there is a promise that was given by Jesus that can anchor you in your life right now, regardless of where you are and, where you're go- and where, what you're going through. And this is what I promise. Your experiences right now are as unique as we would move throughout this room and the other service and those online. Your storms are incredibly unique to you, but God has pushed, put promises in the word. Do you believe that? And they're for you to believe and anchor your life to. Last Sunday was actually Pentecost Sunday. And what, the, what Pentecost means is that it was actually 50 days after Passover. And we celebrate Easter around Passover. But the, I, I want to explain something incredible to you today about Pentecost. And I want to try to do it in such a succinct way that you can leave with a new understanding about this Pentecost word. Which actually was a feast. So just so you know, there were three feasts that were in the Old Testament that God commanded his, his people to, to follow and to obey. What, what a feast means, it's like a holiday. It just means this, just stop and remember. 
So there were these three feasts. It was the Feast of Passover, and I'll explain in just a moment. It was the Feast of Pentecost, and I'll explain, and the Feast of Tabernacle. Well, last Sunday was a celebration of the Feast of Tabernacle. And so I, I want you to understand this as we look into the Old Testament. But before I get there, a lot of people say this. You know, how much of the rules and the, and the laws do I have to follow of the, of, of the Old Testament? Do they still apply to me? How, how does this really work? Listen, we don't do away with it completely because the principles of the law still apply. Not the practice of them down to, the, to, the, to, the, to all the little details, but the principle and the meaning is still in our lives. But, but here's, the, here's, the, here's the incredible thing. Jesus fulfilled those feasts. He fulfilled them through his life. That's why um, Jesus said in Matthew 5, this is what he said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law. In other words, there's still value of the law. Or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. So they're, they're to be applied to us differently now in Christ Jesus. You might be thinking, Jason, what does this have to do with me today? You're going to find out. Hang tight. It's going to be great. There are three feasts that correspond with the journey that God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. And that is the one they're to remember. They're, they're to remember that. And so the first feast was Passover. And so this was around the time of, of, of Easter that we remember Jesus re being crucified and rising from the dead. And this was for them, the Passover was for them to stop and remember when they were slaves in Egypt. And the day the death angel passed through the streets of Egypt. And if you had placed the blood of, a, of the lamb that you had, you had killed on your doorpost of your house, the death angel would pass over. That's where, that's where the, the, the name Passover comes from. This, this feast, though, has some incredible characteristics that are fascinating. And I want to show you today how Jesus has fulfilled Passover. So early that on the Friday on Passover day that they're to stop and remember Passover, they would get a lamb, and at 9 a.m., they would slit the throat of the lamb. Remember, they're, they're to stop and remember what happened in Egypt. Second is they would put the lamb into an oven around 3 p.m. Now, the reality is the blood of that lamb was to symbolize that the blood would cover their sins. So the blood symbolizes the covering of their sins. So how did Jesus fulfill this feast? Well, look at this. Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. At 3 p.m. Jesus was placed in the tomb. And the reality that the blood of Jesus just didn't cover our sins, it removed our sins completely. He fulfilled the Passover. That's why um, Paul says out of 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And remember, the feasts were a shadow of what was to come in Jesus. So the feast of, uh, that, that we're told to the Israelites to remember was a shadow to point to the, the one who would fulfill them. So that's why the whole idea is with Passover, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he fulfilled that, that, that Passover completely. There is no other need. There's no need whatsoever for another animal to be sacrificed on behalf of sins. He was that sacrifice that did away with our sins. That's what, how he fulfilled it. Now, I want to look at the third feast. So it goes Passover, Pentecost, which I'm going to spend some time today, and then Tabernacle. So let's jump to the third feast. The feast of Tabernacle was to remember when they wandered in the desert for 40 years. They left Egypt, and because of 
their attitudes and murmuring and complaining, they weren't able to make it to their promised land, but they were on a journey. They were on a journey. And so the Feast of Tabernacle was to remind them that they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Now, in the desert for 40 years, they lived in temporary huts. They actually were not allowed to build anything permanent. They had to stay mobile, okay? They were, they, they were just passing through. So, but they were on their way to a greater reality, which was the promised land. Now, they were on their way to the final home, which is the promised land. Now, I, just real quick. And they were to celebrate this during harvest season. So it's very, it's very important to, there are a lot of connections here. Of they were to celebrate, they're to celebrate this during harvest season. But real quick, how has this been fulfilled by Jesus? Here's the answer. It hasn't. Because the fulfillment of this feast will be the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes to rule and reign and he's going to come in on a white horse he's going to come in with a sword in his mouth he's going to he's going to rule and reign and set up shop and rule as our king not just our savior but as our king and ruler and that's going to be a good day amen so what's coming it's probably coming pretty soon but the reality he hasn't fulfilled it yet so but how does this how, what does this have to do with you today if he hasn't fulfilled this one, we're living on this temporary earth. How many, how many realize, I, it's so important that you understand, <laughs> like this is like um, Captain Obvious, but this is not heaven, right? It's not heaven. There's struggle, there's division, there's hatred, there's violence. This isn't heaven. We're temporary. But here's the reality. We're on our way to our final home. So we're living as temporary earth. This is why Paul says that we are, he actually says that we are aliens and strangers and not home yet. So if you always feel like you don't fit anywhere, that you're supposed to feel that way actually. You're supposed to. But one day we will be brought to our final home home in heaven as Jesus takes us to heaven and comes and gets his bride. So also though, again, I had mentioned that this is to be celebrated during a harvest, um, during harvest time. Just so you're aware, right before the second coming of Jesus, it's going to be the greatest harvest of souls on this earth that it has ever seen. And I believe God is positioning us for that time. Revelations describes right before Jesus returned that there will be a great revival. There's a 1 Thessalonians 4 says when Christ returns, he will come back to earth with a loud trumpet. And so, it's important to understand these two things. Today I want to look at Pentecost. And this is the feast of Pentecost. And this is a word that a lot of us probably try to avoid because there's all kinds of weird things that happen around the, the, the name Pentecost or Pentecostal. So when you hear Pentecostal, people think, does this, does, what, are you going to get some snakes out or something? Like what's, what's going on here? But we've created so many definitions of the word. But simply, Pentecost means 50. It means 50 days after Passover. It's amazing how afraid that we've become to this word, for, to this word, word because it's been packaged by some people in, a, in, a, in an interesting, strange way. Listen, I, I, I don't care how people package it. All I care is what God says about it and how, what he wants to do in my life through it. And that's what I want for you today. 
I believe, though, that this misunderstanding has been a strategy of the enemy that has tried to keep us away from this reality of Pentecost in our life. And Pentecost is not to be defined by what somebody says or an experience. It's defined by Scripture. But this feast, Pentecost, was to remember when God gave the law on Mount Sinai. So I, I, I think you can, maybe if you don't, let, let me just explain that. On that day, you can read in the book of Exodus, when God gave the law on Mount Sinai to Moses, this is what happened. So here we have the cloud, a cloud descended with a loud noise and fire. So we find that in Scripture. God wrote the law on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, which we, we know today. All, but what happened, there was a rebellion on that day, or actually leading up during that time, that because of the rebellion, 3,000 people died that day. Actually, the ground opened up and swallowed them whole and killed them, the judgment of God. But also that day, God established the nation of Israel. Now let's see how this has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the New Testament that you need to understand this is for you today. You need to understand this today. That God has something for you in the spirit that's, some, that's going to be so powerful and amazing to you. So on that day, in, in the book of Acts... This is the journey. And let me read to you out of Acts chapter 2. This is what happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, Jesus had told them right before he ascended to heaven, I want you to go and wait, and I'm going to send my spirit on Pentecost. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing violent wind came into heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So how did Jesus fulfill the Feast of Pentecost? What does it have to do with you today? Well, first, the Holy Spirit descended with a loud sound and fire. This happened on, on Mount Sinai. Took, same thing that took place. Instead of, but also instead of God writing the law on, the, on stone tablets, now Scripture says that God wrote His law on our hearts. It's a big difference. And then remember at, the, at uh, Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died because of the judgment of God. Then what happened here is 3,000 people actually got saved on the day of Pentecost. Peter left, preached the gospel after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people were saved. And instead of the, the, the Israelites or the nation of Israel being established on Pentecost, on Jesus fulfilled it, and God established his church on this day, and that's why you and I are here today. Isn't that cool? That's super cool. And it's so important for us to understand that the meaning and the power of that day is wrapped up in the things that we just looked at. God wants, now listen to me, God wants the Feast of Pentecost fulfilled in every single one of you. And one day, God's going to begin to to use us on this earth to, that I believe to bring forth this great harvest. But Peter, Peter got up. A lot of people were confused. One person says, actually, Scripture says they were amazing and perplexed. Now, this might be you today. Well, like, well I'm ama- I'm, I don't know. What does all this mean? Well, I pray that God wants to do something in your life today. Well, I know he does. The good question is this. What does this mean for you? And I want to tell you as simply as I can today as we celebrate really the birth of our church from church globally, but this is what the benefits of anchoring your life to the promise of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit will empower you to live a life of holiness. This is the truth. 
Remember that Pentecost was about the law being given. Well, this didn't work really well. People came up short. They couldn't live up to the laws. That's why Paul says this in Romans 3. He says this, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. That's what the Bible says. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So why was the law given? The law was given so that you would remember and see, I I need a Savior. I can't live up to it. I'm always falling short. I won't ask us to show hands today, but if I would say 100%, all of us in this room have actually come up short from being perfect. Amen? So instead of an external law on, on a tablet, Pentecost in Christ Jesus is about the law being written on our hearts. To, to take out an, an old, something old, and put something new in, to put the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, we are living in very difficult times, and what happens is during difficult, stressful, pressure-filled um, situations, some of the old of our, of our lives begin to come up, the old of the flesh, the old of, of, of what we've, we thought we were over, we thought God had, had healed us from or delivered us from, or, or we had confessed it, we thought that it was gone. But the reality is, all of us need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. I, I seek often, God, I need, a new, I need a new baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life so that I can be what you called me to be, so I can put to death these things of my flesh. And holiness, now listen to me for a second, holiness is about God setting you apart from the world. Hey, hang on, listen to me. Holiness, the Holy Spirit came to set you apart from the world. Now listen. And the spirit of the world for you to be different. Remember, you will never make a difference unless you're different. I hope you understand the world has a spirit. And we'll look at that spirit in just a moment. When the Holy Spirit writes God's law on your hearts, listen, we are to live differently than the world. So what does that mean given our our current situation? Hear hear me today. We're to react differently than the spirit of the world. Just, just, Just so you know, I just want to clarify something. If it's not in the Bible, it's not biblical. Okay? So, so a lot of people say a lot of biblical things. It's biblical. But if it's not in the Bible... It's not biblical. So, what is in the Bible? Well, the Holy Spirit is clear. Calls to be holy. It means we react differently than the world. We think differently than the world. We talk differently than the world. We respond from the Spirit of God, not from the flesh. And we lose our taste for uh, we lose our taste for the acts of the flesh and sin. The Holy Spirit is about changing us to have a new motivation. A new heart, new, new emotions, new ways of thinking, new desire that he would write his laws and his principles and deposit his nature in our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit in your life, as you continue to submit to it, this is what that journey sounds like. It, it goes from this, you know, I just have to obey God to I want to obey God because he's making me new. It goes from... I have to love my enemies, so I guess I will, too. Actually, I have love for my enemies. The Holy Spirit, as you submit more to Him, 
moves you from I've got to love my neighbor, I guess I just got to love my neighbor, to your love for Jesus is reflected in your love and care to your neighbor. The Holy Spirit gives you power over the flesh. Has anybody through any of these, these circumstances in our world right now, have you, have you felt your flesh kind of flipping out a little bit? We all say, yes, we have. Let's just be honest. You have, okay? And I have. So what does it mean? What is the flesh? We just finished a series out of, out of Galatians. And so because, listen, flesh is on display right now. Humanity is on, fallen, broken, hurting humanity is on display right now, right now. So, Jason, what are you saying? What does that mean? Well, let let me, let's look at the scriptures out of Galatians 5. This is the flesh. These are the acts of the flesh. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this, the results are very clear. Everybody say very clear. So I, I, I want you to, as we read this, I want you to determine what's the spirit of the world, what should be the spirit of Christ in us in this time. The results are very clear. Sexual morality, yep. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Now hang on. It doesn't say, and these are less than. It goes straight to them. Hostility. See any of that going on? Quarreling. Any of that? Jealousy, see that happening? Outbursts of anger, you see any? Yes. Selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy. Again, it goes on drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living in that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. This perfectly describes the spirit of the world because the spirit of the world, meaning, meaning they just aren't saved yet. They're responding out of their fallenness as a human being. Regardless of where you stand on an issue, whether you agree or disagree, a Christian is to be different and our spirit is to be different. We're to carry the opposite spirit of the flesh at all times, what we say, how we respond, how we act, how we love. Amen? Romans 8.13 says this, if you live according to the flesh, that's what we just read, you will die, but if, but if by the spirit you're going to put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. So what is living by the Spirit? This is what the Holy Spirit empowers you to live by right now, right here. Hear hear me today. Let this sink in. Now, I I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this is something we should probably read every day as believers right now. But the Holy Spirit, that's what we talked about, the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, Holy Spirit, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what a life that has encountered Pentecost looks like. Being anchored to the Holy Spirit allows you to live differently than the world. A lot of times we think, yeah, see, I don't, there's this old saying, this old church saying, I don't uh, smoke 
drink, cuss, or dance, or run around with girls that do, or whatever that is, or something like that. Yeah, but are you angry? Are you not loving your neighbor? Are you filled with rage? Now listen, we're in a, we're in a time where, man, this is like, we're, it's pulsing on the inside of us. It's okay to say, yes, I am. Okay then, here's the deal. It's time we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and receive a new spirit again to be different than the world. And we're to be anchored to the Holy Spirit so you can be a holy follower of Jesus differently. Number two, being anchored to the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit will cause you to experience the supernatural in your life. Come on, we need this right now. God never intended his children to live life and operate by just what they can do or accomplish in their own power. Never did. We serve a God, listen, who can save, he can deliver, he can heal a broken world, he can heal your broken heart today, he can minister to you, he can do miracles, he can heal bodies, he can deliver us from evil. That's the kind of God that we serve. God wants to do that in our midst. And I would say there's not one person in this room that said, you know what, I'm okay serving a powerless God. No, 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 no. Our God is powerful. God wants to allow us to experience miracles, to see deliverance. Why? Because we live in a world. Listen, the, the, the Ephesians 6 is very clear. The fight and battle that we fight is not, everybody say not, everybody say not, against flesh and blood. So you know what that means? I'll sum it up in a phrase. People are not the enemy. Say that with me. People are not the enemy. So if the scripture says the, the battle that we fight, who is he talking to? Christians. We fight, it's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers and high places. We are living in a spiritual world that needs spiritual people to do, take care of spiritual business that only spiritual church people can take care of. That's your call as believers. That's the purpose of the church. That's why the church was born on Pentecost. So after... They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Out of Acts 2.19 is a quote from the prophet Joel. This is what he says. And I will show wonders in heaven and above signs in the earth beneath. We've probably, we've probably heard this before. So what, what does it mean? What's a, what's, a, what's a wonder? What's a wonder? What is that? It's when God does something and you go, I wonder how that happened. Only God could have done that. And we get to serve a God that's, that's, that wants to do things in us and through us that will never fit our minds. It will never fit the world's box. It will never fit the world's system. It will never fit the world's spirit, ever. God does not partner with the world's spirit to accomplish kingdom work. The work of the spirit does it by the way of the spirit. The work of the spirit does it by the way of the spirit. God wants to enable you to live a supernatural life. And we need this more than ever today in our history. And here's the other reality, that the, the, that the word that is preached is to be confirmed by supernatural happenings. 
The reality is the one that we preach, the one that we share, the one that we love, the one that we worship. The spirit in which we carry as believers, which is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us. This is, the fact is this, we are to walk in that supernatural. He's the one that we're preaching about, we're walking with. And he wants to demonstrate his reality through us to other people. That's why Paul says out of 1 Corinthians, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We're living in a world where everything is about speaking or preaching with wise and persuasive words. Paul said, listen, though Paul was brilliant, he was a genius. He said, listen, I didn't come to you with persuasive, wise words. Because then you would have been like, ooh, I'm moved because of your words. No, no, he said, I came to you in the power of the Holy Spirit that you saw demonstrated through the preaching. That's the Christian's call. Some of you today... You're facing incredible needs. You're facing incredible hurts in your life. The the, the things of this world have hurt you. And rightfully so. You might have been betrayed by a spouse that left you, cheated on you. You might have been fired from a job unjustly. You might have been treated in a horrific way because of the color of your skin. I don't know what that is, but I'm telling you this. I I can't give you anything, but what I can give you today is the reality that you need the power of God to rescue you and to heal you and to transform you in your situation. That is what God wants to do in your life today. Number three, anchoring our life to the Holy Spirit Number three, the Holy Spirit, once you anchor your life, submit to him, will empower you and commission you to be a witness. To be a witness. He wants to empower you to be a witness because we need to bring a message. We, as Christians, my friends, we need to bring a unified message to a dying, confused, messed up, evil world. Acts 1.8 says this, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. Now, now look at this for a second. Notice it doesn't say, and then you will start witnessing. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit will make you start witnessing. It says that you, your actually identity will become a witness. So often in Christianity, we make our identity in Christ something we do versus something we are, something we're to be. Kind of like worship, like we've made worship something we we do, and it is is acts of worship, sacrifices of praise. But worship is actually your identity. You're to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ if you're a follower of him, meaning everything in your life is to bring honor and glory and worship to God. It's not who what you do, it's who you are. The same word for, same for the thing, this word witness. The Holy Spirit, hear me today, has made you a witness. Witness is not something you do, it's who you are. It flows through your life, how you love people, how you treat people, how you share Christ with people. 
And anchoring your life to the Holy Spirit empowers you and gives you the identity to be a witness with your life. To be a witness means that you're saying something about Jesus, how you live your life. Being a witness means being aware your life is to point people to Jesus. And also tell people about Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us as Christians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who don't know him through our life and through our words. We have to be different than the world. The only way you can live this life, though, as a witness is to continually submit yourself to Jesus. To be aware that you're called to be a witness to people around you. That God has placed you in this time and space with the people you work with, with your neighbors, with those in your family, with those at, that you run into at the grocery store. You are a witness for him. And the church was called by God to preach and to be witnesses. Witness is, now here, here's, here's the challenge today. Witness is our identity. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a witness. You're a witness. The question is, are you a good witness or a bad one? That's the question. And I think all of us in this moment in time, even if, if we weren't going through difficulties in our nation, would say sometimes I'm a good one. Sometimes I'm lousy. I've been there. But again, we are on a journey of acknowledging that we continually need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. God has a purpose and call for each one of you, and that's to be a witness. Number four, anchoring your life to the Holy Spirit will connect you to a local church. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born. Christians began gathering, and the structure of the church, the leadership began. So important for you to understand this. And they began receiving the same teaching from the apostles. They submitted themselves to spiritual leaders to the church. Together they were applying the, the word that was being taught them and living them out in small groups and large group gatherings and growing in their love for God through Jesus Christ, praying and taking care of each other. They prayed and they believed for God to do miracles in their midst, to heal broken lives. They prayed for those who were being persecuted. They prayed for those who were hurting. They financially gave to God through the church. They sent missionaries to nations that didn't have the gospel to preach the gospel in places that was needed. They were a family that radically loved Jesus. And they radically loved each other and they were devoted to fulfilling the purpose of the church that was birthed out of Pentecost. They, li they, they lived their lives in such an honoring way that Luke writes in Acts 2 that they gained favor with all people in their community. And I want you to know something. I have witnessed you demonstrating this through this season. And I'm so proud of you. I've seen you show love to people you didn't know. I've seen you check in on people, pray for people. Give to God through the church so that we can meet the needs of those who are hurting. And through this, we've been a witness to our city. But because of you, because of your faithfulness, we have seen people who have given their lives to God in different states, different places, and different ages. 
because we were able to be online and they were desperate for hope and we were able to give it to them. That's because of you. That's what a church does. We do it together. We get, we get to, to reap the benefit together. We've seen God touch people in other countries. We've continued to support our missionaries. Because of your giving and your faithfulness, we've been able to provide food for a city in Nepal. We've been able to meet the needs of different folks in our community that are hurting. And I'm so proud of who you have demonstrated that you are determined to be and to become. Amen? Can we give God a hand for that? I mean, come on. But here's here's the reality. The blessing of the local church that God calls you to be a part of flows through the local church to those connected with that particular local church. And here's, here's just the truth. As you're faithful to a church, to a local church, there is spiritual protection over your life. There is spiritual provision and financial provision to you because you are faithful to a local church. There is a spiritual blessing that, now listen to me, that God has only reserved to you and those that are committed and a part of a local church. It flows from the church and its authority to you, the God-given authority to you. It's beautiful. And there are those who struggle to receive from local churches because of bad experiences. And I get it because I've had them. And I understand that there's a reaction probably even to the word authority that I just mentioned. But let, let, let me help you see this in a different way. By the word authority in the church biblical context, it means simply this. It offers you protection. Authority is put in place by God to give you protection over your life, over your family. It means it's a structure to keep you safe. But also the other call of a church, and hear me really, really quickly. I was reminded of of this this week. I knew it. I was just reminded of it by a friend I was meeting with this week. But also the purpose of the church is not just to care and love and serve. It's actually to transform the world around us by being witnesses and sharing the gospel and, and, and moving the kingdom forward. There's two aspects of the purpose of the church. You guys with me? I want you to hear this for a second. And there's two Greek words. One is oikos, which means to love, to care, safety, protection, attention, which we've been giving. The other is ekklesia, which means you're the called out ones. You're the holy ones. You're selected. You're chosen by God. You're the assembly of a local church to accomplish a certain purpose, which means that we are more than just a loving, caring community. We're to be moving the kingdom of God forward, reaching the lost and dying generation. We're to be looking for opportunities to demonstrate the principles of the kingdom in our homes, in our workplaces, in politics, in church planting, in ruling and reigning as Christians that God has placed on this earth to do so for his purposes and for his kingdom. It means that we are transforming atmosphere by our very presence because we understand who we are strategizing on how we share the gospel, pushing back the, the, the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus through prayer, through preaching, through love, and the demonstration of God's power. This is what the church is called to do. Amen? And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do both. 
And God brings people within a church who lean more, lean more towards ecclesia. Come on, let's storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. And those who lean towards oikos, let's love and care and take care of. And both are needed in our body. And the last benefit of being anchored to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be in unity with those different than you. Different opinions, different views, different applications, different personal passions about the scriptures and about justice. At the time of this account, so hear me today, that the church was experienced Pentecost and the church was born, there was a lot of prejudice between people groups, a lot. And the culture actually of the Jews was not to associate with other groups. You know why? Because they weren't like them. And they, and they didn't, they didn't associate with them. Those people groups actually were considered unclean. And there was a divide between them but Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. He came for the whole world. And the gospel that he brought was a gospel of love. It was a gospel that was for everybody. So look at Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, all right. We're Jews. I'm cool with Jerusalem. Judea, oh wait, that's a little further away from kind of the temple and kind of the, the main hub of our life. Samaria, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't associate with Samaritans because they're different than us. Because we have a disagreement on some things. And to the ends of the whole earth. Now wait a minute, you're talking about every tribe, every tongue, every color. Just so you know, God is not colorblind. Every color is an expression of God. And it's so important that we understand that it's the, the, the ends of the earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ has come to the world. And this promise from Jesus, the promise of the Holy Spirit from Jesus, is the reality that the Holy Spirit came to break down walls between ethnicities, between genders, between social classes, and to remove all prejudice and any walls built by humanity. The gospel of Jesus Christ removes this idea of anger and bitterness between any groups of people. And here's the reality. It's the, please hear me, it's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only answer to our broken, hurting world. Yeah, we know that, Jason. No, listen to me. Listen to me. There will always be discourse with people from different places, different lives, different races. There will always be discourse without the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church's job is to be the carriers of that gospel. It's the church's job. We have to have a changed heart we have to understand. Listen, we're living in a world of absolute, total division. 
I shared a video, I think it was last week, addressing the issues of all the civil unrest. And the reality is this, and I said it very plainly, and I'll say it again. In all honesty, it it would be, I would not be a good pastor if I didn't address this this morning. Because I think if we could all be honest, it's all in our minds anyway. What does the word say about it? What we know is this, that every act of racism is absolutely demonic and from the pit of hell. Every act of injustice and violence against innocent people is absolutely demonic and from the pit of hell. We as a church, our job is to be unified Regardless of your opinions on what should, what shouldn't be. Oh, listen, we need to be unified through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit, through the Spirit, not the flesh. Our spirit needs to be different than the world. God's called us to be different. We're a different nation. We're a different people. We're, we are of the kingdom of God. And the truth is this. All of us are born in brokenness. All of us are born with the stain of sin. And I think all of us could say, yeah, no, you're right. You're right, Jason. All of us are born with the brokenness in our sexuality, brokenness in our emotions, or brokenness physically. All of us are born because of the, the, the stain of sin with prejudices that may be known in our lives or unknown in our lives. And it would be foolish to think that we don't have prejudices. It would be foolish. Because we, we would all admit, I have, yes, brokenness um, in sexuality and the Lord's healing all of us as we walk this journey or emotions or physical bodies. The truth is we're not perfect. And through this season for me, as what is God calling us as a church to, to do and to be is to be humble and to say, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, we want to be unified with believers. Here's the truth. Jesus is our answer. We're living in the most divisive time possible in life that I'm, I've been aware of. And it's very evident that the human tendency, the human tendency is to build walls between groups of people. Jesus came to tear down those walls. Jesus came to remove what causes us to build walls, which is sin. Jesus came to remove what causes people to separate into man-made groups. That's why Paul says this out of Galatians 3. He says this, Neither is there Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The only way to heal our hearts and to heal the division in our world, listen to me, friends, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way you can heal brokenness in your spirit and your heart and your relationships and whatever it is, it's the whole span of life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for us as Christians, the only way that we can actually walk by the spirit of God and have peace and love and joy and care and concern is to submit ourselves daily, daily to the Holy Spirit and say, change me. Scripture is clear that God resists the proud. Those who say, I don't need a change. You need a change to fit me. No, no, no. God resists the proud and gives grace to those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he will raise you up. The Holy Spirit wants to do something brand new in our lives, in our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to heal our land. 
We need the Holy Spirit to heal our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to heal our minds. We need the Holy Spirit to transform, transform our emotions. And come on, guys, because like, we're all broken. We're all hurting. Listen, we, we do not agree on everything or the how or the, what this is or that is. But the fact is this, we can all agree that the Holy Spirit needs to heal our land. Amen? And the Holy Spirit wants to heal you. So my challenge to this for me is, Lord, examine me. God, take a look at my spirit. If there's anything in me that is unpleasing, remove it. If there's any brokenness, not just, not just in areas that we're dealing with now, any area, God, heal me, restore me. Because I want to be a light and a witness for you. And God wants that for you today. I know there are people here that you are hurting and you're in pain. Holy Spirit wants to heal you. There's those of you here today who are angry and you're frustrated. God wants to heal you today. There's those of you today that have been hurt and wounded by other people because of their actions against you. God wants to heal you today. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that can comfort us. And that's the Spirit of God. And it's Jesus Christ healing and renewing our hearts right where we are today. And I want to pray for us today. If we can, can we stand to our feet? God wants us to offer healing to a broken world. But he first wants to heal us so that we can offer and go on a journey with those who are on the same journey. So if you could today, if you would be open and willing to ask the Holy Spirit to examine you in all areas of your life today, could you just lift your hands just out of receiving from the Spirit of a good God who loves you. Father, we acknowledge today that we are in need of you. We acknowledge today that we are desperate for you. We acknowledge today that we are not perfect, that we need your grace. Lord, all of us are in turmoil internally, mentally, emotionally. All of us are, are navigating from some area of brokenness, some area of pain. Lord, today I ask you that you would heal us. Just right where you are today, can you just ask the Holy Spirit, heal me from my brokenness. Heal me of my brokenness. Lord, we submit ourselves to you today as a church that says yes to your word. Lord, in this same attitude, we pray for our, for our nation. We pray that you would heal our land. God, we ask you that you would break down every wall, every demonic wall that's been built in the name of Jesus. We ask you that you would thwart every strategy of the enemy to bring destruction and violence. God, we recognize today that Satan is anti-life. But you, God, are pro-life. 
And so God, I ask you today that you would bind the strategy of the enemy that is robbing life from the innocent people, robbing life from people of different races, robbing life from people who, who differ from, from some things. God, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of the devourer off of this nation in the name of Jesus, off of our city, off of our church. And Lord, I ask you today that by your grace that you would proclaim life over us, life to live to the fullest, life to live as the Holy Spirit represents to us today. Life to live a life of holiness. Life to live a life of the supernatural working in us and through us. Life to call us out to be different. Life for us to be in unity with those who are different than us. Life, God, in the name of Jesus, we declare your life over our nation, over our people. Baptize us fresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could be your witness to a lost and broken world. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to honor something very quickly. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, and you know today that if I was to die, I don't know if I'd be in heaven. Or if you're joining us right now online and you don't know, and you want to give your life to Jesus today, now is your moment. I'm just going to ask all of us in this room, if you could just close your eyes just for a moment in honor of those who may want to respond. And if you're joining us online, you can just simply raise your hand right where you are. If you want to give your life to Jesus today and be delivered from hell and step into a relationship with Jesus and be healed. I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand right now. This is your chance. Raise it up. Anyone want to give your life to Jesus today? Just hold it up so I can see you. Nobody else is looking around. Anyone else? Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else want to give your life to the Lord? Amen. If you raise your hand here, amen. Thank you. I saw your hand up there. If you raise your hand here, and you want to give your life to Jesus, you're joining us online, very simple. We're going to pray your prayer, and we're going to pray it with you because you're, you're, you're a part of our family. As you pray this, you will be saved if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you are the only Son of God. I put my trust in you today. Cleanse me. Heal me. And transform my mind. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, here or online, I'm just going to ask you to text SAVED to this number that we have on the screen. And we want to help you take the next step forward in your journey. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.